You've seen the big plays. Jaron stepping to his right, looking, looking, stopping, firing, end zone, touchdown! You've heard what the playmakers and coaches have had to say. Up for a three. Got it! But now it's time to go behind the mic with BYU sports broadcasters to get their distinctive take on the games. Oh, what an aggressive play! This is Behind the Mic with host Cleon Wall. We're here to bring you unique insights and stories from the BYU sports broadcasters who cover the Cougars and from the Cougars themselves. On this week's episode, we celebrate two basketball players, one who's getting a lot of playing time and another who had to fight to just even get noticed. But first, the BYU baseball team has started their season. 1-1 pitch. Ground ball up the middle and through. Ozzie Pratt. He is going to run around third, score from second, and that is an RBI double for Tate Gamble. And BYU's lead now 4-0. They'll be back in the state of Utah next week. Right now, they're finishing up their second series in the Bayou against the Louisiana Lafayette Ragin' Cajuns. They played last week against Louisiana Tech. After the first series, I caught up with play-by-play guy Jason Shepard. Jason, how is Trent Pratt feeling going into his second season? Is he feeling a bit more prepared, a little bit more relaxed? You know, he took over for Mike Littlewood last season in the middle of the season. Yeah, and it's actually something that I talked with Coach Pratt about before the season even started, just a couple of days before we actually left for the first trip. And, you know, I asked him that very question. And, you know, one of the things he said is that he's really enjoying it. And look, there's a lot of things that when you're an assistant coach or an associate head coach that you're aware of that the head coach does. But until you're in those shoes and having to do it all the time, you know, you really don't quite know. And and Coach Pratt has said that, you know, it's new experiences all the time and he's learning new things, but he's really enjoying um, being in this position. And, uh, you know, you can tell the guys love him. Um, they love playing for him. Um, he's a really good coach, uh, but he's, he's one of those guys that he demands a lot from you. But yet you you it, it's not it's not a heavy handed thing. You know, the guys know that he cares about them. And he just wants the best from him. He, he's really good with the team. It's fantastic. What does he feel is the strength of this team? And what is it that they still kind of need to work on? I know we're, you know, we're still brand new into the season, but what does he feel like, hey, this is this is the strength of the team and I can rely on these guys or or this aspect of the game? Well, what he can rely on is quite a bit of returning production. This is a team that and I've said this a couple of times on the air during the broadcast already this season, it's a really good mix of returning production mixed in with some really young, talented players. And I really think that's the best way to go because you still have guys that you can rely on that have been here in the program for a couple of seasons, have have been in those wars on the field, but yet you can also have these new guys in that inject this, you know, um, this youth and some maybe some different talent. Um, so I, I think he the thing he relies on is he, he knows that almost his entire infield returns from last year. You have your returning first baseman, second baseman, shortstop and third baseman and two of your outfielders as well. So you've got a lot of guys that know what they're doing. Um, that you can rely on. Now, one of the things that he talked about that he wants to make sure that he does better, and and we've seen this already at the beginning of the season, is he wants the guys at the plate to be tougher outs. He, he wants them to really work and and not go up there and, and give in to maybe some bad pitches. Um, so one thing we've seen is that's already come 
to to pass already. The BYU's offense through you know the beginning of the season has been really really good, and the guys have become tougher outs, which is exactly what he was looking for. One pitch, and Ozzy lines it into the gap in left center. It will get down. Ball will score from second base. Ozzy thinking about more than a double. He'll stop at second base, and it's back-to-back -back doubles for Ozzy Pratt and an RBI for the Oz. And it's Cole Gamble and Ozzy Pratt. They were named uh, preseason WCC picks for people who don't follow. You know, BYU baseball, why are they so good? And is it maybe just because they are consistent game in and game out? Yeah, well, in in the specific situation with Cole Gamble, uh, he was also preseason the year before. And unfortunately, he wasn't able to realize that because he ended up getting hurt. He, he had a foot injury that kept him out for about six weeks. And so he, he just never got to to sort of fully um develop into to what we all knew he had and were expecting from him last year so the fact that he was on it didn't surprise me because he's got that kind of talent he's got a fantastic arm last year he was in right field um this year he is in center field he's got really good speed when he gets on base um he's got a fantastic arm regardless of what position he's playing in the outfield. So so that one's not a surprise at all. Uh, neither is Ozzie Pratt. He had a fantastic freshman season. And this is a guy, he's the leadoff man. When he gets on, look out, because the pitcher immediately has to keep him in the back of his mind because Ozzie can steal a base at the drop of a hat. You you talk about lightning quick, that's Ozzie Pratt. So, you know, these guys certainly uh, are, are more than deserving of their uh, preseason honors in the uh, West Coast Conference. How big was it for Jack Sterner to come out on fire for this Cougar pitching staff in Game 1? He only gave up one run in seven innings against Louisiana Tech. His ERA has improved the past few years. How good of a pitcher can he be? He's fantastic, and I mean, that's why he's the ace. This is what he did last year as well. Um, you know, he was the he was the Game 1 guy. And he really came out in that first game against Louisiana Tech and really set the tone, you know, able to go seven innings. And, and that's what you're looking for in your starter is, you know, if, if you can go, if you can give your bullpen six innings before you have to go to any relievers, you're in good shape. If you can have a starter go seven innings before you have to use anybody in the bullpen, you're in really, really good shape. And Jack's stuff was absolutely on. He, he had command. His location was perfect. He had guys guessing all night long, and that's exactly what you're looking for from your ace. Cutter Clausen followed, followed it up a couple of games later, giving up no runs in six innings. He got a lot of help from his offense, too. But this kid just got off a mission, and I, I hear myself say that, and I'm very impressed. Yeah, you should be. And everybody was impressed. That was a phenomenal game. And you you did mention, you know, and I had him on the post game after that game. And he he said, look, it's it's pretty it's pretty fun when you're on the mound and you see that you already have like a five nothing lead and you're just in the second inning. The offense came alive, but that that doesn't take anything away from what Cutter did. And to, you know, add to it, you know, you brought up the fact that he was just home from his mission, uh, not just home, but you know, it, it's only been a couple of months since he's been back. And his mission was to actually his mission originally was to Peru, but that mission never opened. So he spent his entire 
mission um, in the Boise, Idaho mission. So he wasn't that far from from Utah, but um, yeah, to come back and to be able in your debut for 2023 to pitch as well as he did. The other thing, and I've actually told Cutter this, physically, he looks really, really strong. He has come back and gotten into fantastic shape. And I don't think that that's something that uh, can be overlooked either. Who are some of the other guys we need to pay attention to on this baseball team, whether they're pitchers or or position players? Oh wow, there's there's a lot of guys. I, I mentioned some of the some of the younger guys, um, and, and immediately I, I'm kind of drawn to to left field. Uh, and there were two guys that were really platooning. Um, you, one would get a start, and then the other game, the other one would get a start. Uh, we mentioned Cole Gamble. Well, his younger brother Tate Gamble is is on the team now, and he's um, he's He's a good one. And um, the Gamble family, they, they've they got good baseball players. Um, and the other is Luke Anderson, who also um, is uh, defensively in left field. And um, Anderson is a freshman. He was the 2021 um, Gatorade Player of the Year. And there, there's, like I said, there's a, an influx of really good young talent that that are on this team and in this program right now. You know, you've got pitchers. Bryce Robison is is the game two guy. We already mentioned Cutter. Um, you know, up and down the lineup, there's there's just a lot of talent and a lot of young players um, to pay attention to. Bryant Ball actually got the start uh, for for game one of the season, um, and and you know he's new to this team and between him and Chase Peterson, you know your catching duties. You're not going to have um, at least, you know, for right now, you're not going to have Colin Reuter. Um, He's, you know, waiting to find out uh, some some injury situations. So he's he wasn't with us on this trip. So to be able to have a, a newcomer like Bryant Ball come in and then Chase Peterson, who's been here for, you know, a couple of seasons. I mean, those are some guys to pay attention to. The, the fun thing is, is you can sort of mix and match with this lineup. But you're you're not really going to lose athleticism. You're not going to lose production. That's really what's important about this about this team, and and kind of fun to watch and pay attention to. Gonzaga is expected to be the behemoth of the conference. They were picked to finish first in the preseason coaches poll. San Diego was picked to finish second. And they were the champs last year, and then BYU comes in at number three. I'm assuming Coach Pratt and the guys are hoping to win this conference in their last season at the WCC, right? Certainly, that's the goal. I mean, they obviously would would love to do that um i asked coach pratt in that same interview that i referenced earlier before the season started i asked him what he thought about it and and honestly i i knew exactly what he was going to say because this is just what coaches do that they doesn't pay much attention to it he's like we don't want to be pigeonholed thinking that the highest we can get is three but he says i i mean i, I like where we're picked uh that doesn't mean that that we don't think we can be better than that they're going to go out and and play the games and let everything you know fall where they may but yeah, I mean Gonzaga is the team that that is picked to win San Diego and then the Cougars. Uh, but this is a team. Trust me, I can promise you, they're they're not going in thinking that they're not they don't have a chance to win this conference. They're going in with that mindset. I can promise you that. Jason, thanks a lot. Enjoy your time in Louisiana. Thanks, Cleon. Appreciate it. Make sure you catch all BYU baseball action live on BYU Radio. BYUradio.org is your online option, or you can stream it on the BYU Radio app. Coming up next, a visit with Cougar point guard Rudy Williams before his final game at the Marriott Center.
Welcome back to Behind the Mic. Jason Shepard is the regular host of Cougar Pregame Live for BYU basketball games on the BYU Sports Network. But when he's called away to other duties, like baseball games in Louisiana or women's soccer matches in Los Angeles, or even key basketball games against Utah in the Marriott Center, I step in as the host of the show. That means I get the opportunity to interview a BYU basketball player before the game. So for BYU's final home game against San Francisco, I chose Rudy Williams. To give to Rudy, step back three, top of the key. It's banked in by Rudy Williams. And for the first time in the second half, BYU's within single digits. He's one of two seniors on the squad, and this was his only season playing in the white and blue. If you don't remember, I had talked to him earlier in the season about finding a home in Provo after leaving Canada to play high school and college basketball in the United States. Now he's on the cusp of playing one final game at the Marriott Center. Can you believe how fast this season's gone for you? Uh, honestly, I always think about it, and like at the same time, the season has like blown by really fast. It's also been like really long, you know, and it's been like a journey, kind of divvied it up into like you know the preseason and then that first semester. And then we came back after Christmas, and then um, we started conference play. So I kind of did, it was like three different seasons in yeah. one. So, uh, you know, it's been really long, and, you know, I'm sure everyone's beat up, but it's also went by really fast, and, you know, but I've had fun, so I can't complain. How close have you been able to get to your teammates? I mean, this is going to be your first and only season here with BYU. How close have you been able to get to these guys who are your teammates here on the BYU basketball team? Uh, I would say I've gotten pretty close because, you know, I have no choice but to see these guys every day. <laughs> you know, we're on the road, we're on the plane, we're in buses. You know, so like I see these guys more than I see my family. And, you know, we built a strong relationship as like a whole. And then I have pretty good relationships with like pretty much everybody individually and stuff, you know, like uh, me, Dallin, Jared, and Parker, our strength coach, our assistant strength coach, we play video games. Like we play Fortnite together a lot. Uh, we'll also go out to eat a lot in small groups and stuff. And like, you know, me and Gideon, we always get haircuts. So like, you know, I have just a relationship with everybody. And, you know, I've just gotten close with every, every guy, you know, over the last six, seven months. Okay, who's the king of Fortnite? Tanner Toulson. I forgot to put Tanner in there. Tanner Toulson really? is the best Fortnite player. Okay. okay. Yes. Where, where do you fall in that, that <laughs> in the rankings there? I am the worst Fortnite player. <laughs> I'm just the guy who's complaining and nagging and, you know, I'm the cancer to our team pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Hey, but at least you're there. At least you're there. Hey, you know, there have been some highs and lows this season. You kind of alluded to that. If you had to, like, talk about the overall season, how do you think it's gone for you, in, as I said, in your one season here at BYU? Uh, it's been, it's been a, I could say, I would say, you know, it's been a, a learn, a lesson learned, you know, of like never get too high, never get too low. Because obviously, like you said, we've had our ups and downs, but like, you know, there's been great moments where I've been super high and then there's been, you know, moments where I've been super low and I'm just like, dang, you know? So I, I could say that was the lesson I've learned throughout the season, but like, nonetheless, I, I'm grateful for it all. You know, it's helped me become a better player, a better person, teammate, all that. So. I don't know if this is a lesson you learned, but you started early in the season, and then they asked you to come off the bench. What has that experience been like? What, what have you learned from that experience about coming off the bench? And it's not like you're any less valuable just because you're coming off the bench, because you're still playing a lot of minutes, you're still scoring points too. Um, you know, it, not much has really changed for me. I, I said this earlier one time. The only thing that's changed is that they just don't say my name at the beginning of the game. <laughs> but, you know, I kind of look at it as a plus because I get in super early in the game, and all the starters have ran up and down for two, three minutes, and I'm fresh. So, me personally, I, I was never really too mad about it, and uh, I liked it, and it showed my versatility as a player, and it showed, like, you know, who I am as a person, like, selfless enough, you know, 50 year senior to do, be able to do something like that and not have an issue with it. So, I'm not, uh, it's fine by me. 
How tough has it been for your team? You're on a four-game losing streak. You've been so close to winning some of those games, though. How tough has it been on the team where it's just like, man, we're putting in all this work and we're just not quite seeing that W in the, you know, at the end of the day? Uh, you know, it's been tough, but uh, the coach and the rest of the staff has done a good job of, you know, just making sure that we always come to the next game, the next practice, the next film session with, uh, you know, a clean heart, a clean soul and all that. You know, we kind of just wipe it off. You know, we understand that, you know, we may have fell short a couple times, but, you know, we got to move on to the next thing. There's no, there's no need for extra baggage and worrying about what happened the last game or the last play. You know, you just got to have a next play mentality and a next game mentality and a next day mentality. So. How nice is it, though, that you're coming up on your last game and you get a week to prepare for that last game? Uh, it's been pretty good. You know, we're going to have about three or four good prep days of practice, and um, we'll, we'll definitely be prepared. You know, it's our second go-around with San Fran, so we know what we got to do to stop them and what we got to do to come out on top this time. You know, they have two talented guards, and, uh, you know, we got to just stop them because last game we didn't, and we'll be ready for them on Saturday. On the other hand, you did have a really good game at San Francisco, at least when it comes to scoring points. You scored 28 points. Are you kind of like, I'm not sure I'm going to – are you thinking to yourself, I'm not sure I'm going to repeat that, but – Kind of licking your chops like, yeah, I, I, I want to play against San Francisco again. Uh, yeah. Um, the way they guard, it was kind of easy for me to get in the paint and, you know, for me to finish at the rim and make plays for my teammates. So uh, hopefully I can reproduce that on Saturday just with a winning effort this time. And um, if it's more points or less points, I don't really care as long as we come out with the W. It is your last game at the Marriott Center. You're one of two seniors who's going to be playing in this game. Uh, are you looking forward to the atmosphere and fans and all that coming up in your last game here at the Marriott Center? Um, yes, you know, I will probably take my fair share of looks in the rock, you know, because I'm probably not going to see it again in person, at least playing that, that way. And, um, you know, I'm going to soak it all in. You know, I'm going to leave it all on the floor. The fans, even like I said, during the highs and lows, they've always been supporting us and they've always showed up every game. So, you know, I'm gripping for that, and I'm going to take it in one last time. Any family, friends, anyone like that coming to your last game here at the Marriott Center? Yeah. Uh, so my mom, my brother, and then my younger sister, they're all going to be in town. I think they get here on Friday. So that'll be fun. You know, my mom, she's seen me play this year when we were up in Bahamas, but she hasn't seen a game in the Marriott Center yet. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited for them to see that. What, have you told them anything about what's what's being prepared like for before the game or you know being honored before the game at all uh yeah they know there's going to be like a little presentation and they're gonna have to walk out and stuff so you know they're ready for that but um i'm just more focused on the game right now i don't really want to have too many distractions because at the end of the day like it's we got to win that that's priority number one so is it hard not to think though about getting a little emotional because it is the last home game and your family's going to be here do you, how, how do you prevent from getting a little bit too emotional and just saying hey, we still got to play a basketball game. Uh, I guess I would just say, you know, I can't think too much of it. You know, I, I am grateful that my family's going to be here, and I'm grateful that it's, it's going to be my, I get to play in the Marriott one last time. But at the end of the day, I just have to realize that my first priority is winning a game. So I got to do that. Okay, last question here for you. You mentioned you lost to San Francisco. What do you think the key is for this game to be able to come out with a W, have a little bit of momentum going into the West Coast Conference Tournament? Uh, I would just say, you know, just limit their guards. You know, those two guards, uh, Shabazz and Roberts, they're, uh, they're pretty dynamic, and um, we're just going to have to limit them, you know, hold them under their average, and just gotta make it tough for them all night. And I'm sure, you know, playing in the Marriott Center is going to be a, a difference maker for them too. So, Rudy, thanks a lot. Appreciate you, boss. Thank you. Hands off to Williams. Williams, step back oh, deep. The two. Step back. Oh, the step back. Rudy Williams. Rudy Williams has provided a lot of highlights this season for the BYU basketball team, including some big shots in victories. The same couldn't be said for Jared McGregor, 
But his two baskets against Western Oregon on December 15th created quite a stir for the BYU bench. Stewart to the bump. Left corner. Three-pointer. Good from Jared McGregor. Hey. J-Mac. Great shot. With his first points of the season. McGregor is a walk-on. But we've seen plenty of walk-on basketball players make shots in games. They beat Westminster by 30, 100-70. J-Mac says, I don't want your synchronicity. I want another three. Jared McGregor makes it a 33-point game, 97-60. The Cougars, number 51, who played at Westlake High School in Saratoga Springs, started off as a manager on this BYU basketball team. Just last year, on his Instagram page, he posted that he had mopped floors at 16 games and that no player slipped on his side of the court from a mop sweat. He also grabbed over 1,000 rebounds and dished out over 1,000 assists in practice. He said it was a solid season. But now he can brag that he's actually played Division I basketball and was able to get into the box score with a couple of three-pointers against Western Oregon and a few personal fouls in some other games. Here's a feature story on McGregor from BYU TV. You'll first hear from head coach Mark Pope and then Jared McGregor. I've never had a manager become a walk-on, as far as I can remember. And I had zero expectation that Jared McGregor would ever make the transition from a, from a manager to a walk-on. I had none. I was there the whole year, last year, um, wiping up the sweat and during the games, during practice, setting up for practices and taking down practices and just doing all the grunt work and behind the scenes. As time went on, last season ended and sat down with, with the coaches and was just like, all right, like oh, I'd love to do this thing. What are my options? What can I do? They did a really good job at, at giving me expectations, what could I what I could expect. Everybody on staff probably told them the same thing. We don't think there's a real chance, but if you really want to do it, this is what you do, and it comes down to a pretty simple recipe. You just have to stay in the gym all day long and drag everybody in the gym that you can all spring and summer and fall, and, and um, he did that. And he did it with no real tangible hope that he was gonna achieve the outcome he wanted. He just, he just refused to say no. It was more of a uh, internal thing where it was like, if I wanna do this, I gotta, I, gotta, I gotta dig in and do what it takes, come to the gym with the players, not necessarily uh, focused on myself, but just doing what the coach needed me to do and helping other players. So. There were a lot of times where um, it was a little discouraging just because I had no idea what was gonna happen. It was, it was a long process from the end of last season to when I found out. It was probably a four or five month gap where I was just, you know, I'd, I'd get in the gym, I'd work out, and I'd go home questioning, is this, is this really gonna happen? I don't really know, but I knew that in the long run, I wouldn't regret if I, you know, just came in, went to work as much as I could, and I could live with the result. And uh, things worked out to where I could get on the team, and I told them I'd shoot it wherever I was, and so I did from the corner, and I drilled it. And obviously, it was a big relief. He makes that shot, and he's got all this courage and this ferocity and all this emotion of for two for his lifetime, and then for two years, hanging on by a thread. When everybody told him he had no chance, including the decision makers, and only he knows how many dark nights he had where he doubted himself, where he's like, what am I doing? This is never gonna work. But he just would get up the next morning and come and fight again. And if you could capture all of that emotion 
into one moment. And it's not like he flashed this huge, giant smile. It's not like he was, you know, throwing a fist up in the air as he ran back. It was just this, like, it was just this very personal moment of, I did it, right? When nobody thought I could do it. And I didn't know if I, there's so many times I didn't know if I could do it. I did it. And I was really blessed because I could just see his, I had a perfect view of his face and see that kind of wash over him. It's just, it's wild, it's wild to, to be in that position. You dream about that moment in the Marriott Center with the rock and in a BYU uniform. So that was a dream come true. And then after that, all my teammates came and congratulated me. It was just all around fun experience. All right, BYU TV sports producer Brandon Crow. he oversaw the feature on Jared McGregor. Uh, when did you guys first learn about the story from J- about Jared and, and from whom? Uh, so one of our students, Kennedy Miller, she is uh, kind of like my team captain here on the Features Unit. She's she's very close with some of the guys that are on the team, and she actually brought this to our attention in December. But because of uh, like finals and the schedule with, with breaks and things like that, we weren't able to get to it. What makes you think, yeah, we should – we should feature this guy. We we should do something on Jared McGregor uh, for for pregame for tel- for television. It's a great story. Everybody loves to hear about these players, and they want to have some sort of investing interest when they watch the games. and And to hear a story like Jared McGregor, who grew up wanting to play for BYU, coming here, he was a trainer. He was told that the odds were all against him and that he was not going to be able to to do anything remotely close to being able to to come onto the team. And he just said, you know what? Forget you guys. I'm going to try and do the best that I can. So Mark Pope was more than willing to talk about Jared McGregor. How willing was Jared to talk about Jared McGregor? Now that's that's the that's the better question. Uh, so Bart Pope was I mean, he was very excited to be able to shine light on, on Jared, but Jared, very humble kid, uh, very reserved, and it was a little tough at first uh, trying to break his shell. Uh, but once he was able to to get going, and once we started talking to him about it, you could really see the passion that he had, and and you could just really see how genuine. Uh, of a moment for him and, and to see all the hard work that he had put forth into trying to chase his dream and see, to see it come true. You could see it all uh, on his face as we were interviewing him. It was great. Okay, last question. Sure. Do you feel like you did him justice? Like he'll be able to point his kids to his feature on him and say, look, I, I can prove that I did play college basketball and look, they did a feature on me on BYU TV. And what, what Kennedy and, and Josh and Nelson and those guys were able to come up with, I think they did do it justice. And especially the, the cherry on top was was how emotional Mark Pope got in, in the interview. And that right there is is the moment. And you, you want to make sure that when you're doing stuff like this, that when you have moments like that, that you are able to present it to the people and then uh, you unplug and you get out. Uh, you don't want it to linger too long. You don't want people to, to forget about that moment. And so because we're able to have that moment with Mark Pope and sit down and talk with Jared, I think we did justice to his story. Brandon, thanks a lot. Thank you, Cleon. That's going to do it for the show. Download and subscribe to Behind the Mic wherever you find podcasts or listen to all episodes on the BYU Radio app. Behind the Mic is a production of BYU Radio. 